I'm Kaitel. And I'm Joe. And we're the United Mates. Back in our school days, a shared passion for football brought us together as best friends. Today, we're separated by an ocean. I live in our hometown, London. And these days, I live in LA. But we still enjoy nothing more than chatting about the beautiful game. So we started a podcast. Join us. A few more old mates from school here and there. And new friends too from the world of professional football and beyond. This is the United Mates Football Podcast. Hello, hello, welcome and welcome back to the United Mates Football Podcast. Today, my co-host Joe is not available, so I've got one of our regular contributors, Yanni, who joined us for the last match recap that we did with the singing Gooner. That was kind of a, well, I don't know if it was a happier occasion. The result was slightly more positive than today's one. Um, we, Arsenal, of course, played Manchester City at home. The game ended 1-0 and kind of the, the action on the pitch was mostly taken care of um, pretty early on in the game. But uh, as I mentioned, Yanni is is here with me today. Yanni, how are you? How um, Before we get into, I guess, the bigger picture of um, the game and whatnot. How are you sort of feeling at the moment? Okay, I mean, there's always like a bit of deflation after a loss. I guess I was braced for this one, um, and so I prepared myself. Um, but it's still a bit. Uh, I, 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 I will get into the game itself. But the game being flat as well probably contributes to a sense of uh, also Sunday evening here. So now it's just well, the weekend's over and <laughs> work tomorrow. Um, but apart from that, I can't complain. Yeah, I guess hopefully Newcastle will like thrash Manchester United later and that'll be like a silver lining for, for us in, in one way or another. But as you mentioned, it wasn't kind of the most um, rousing performance or even game uh, kind of in general. Uh, but I suppose the best place to start maybe is with the lineups. As far as Arsenal, was, we were talking last time about the first time that we'd had a an unchanged lineup. They did change things because as we were mentioning on the last podcast as well, it's quite a congested period for Arsenal. So what did you make of the changes obviously there were a decent amount of them and did you think that they were necessities or smart changes or what were your opinions i'd say a bit of both and i'd caveat this as well by saying that conceding a goal after a first minute probably puts any tactical plan you have a little bit out of the window um but I was expecting changes. I think Arteta said before the game that some players have found it really difficult to train in the last few days. And we have, especially in certain players, uh, run their legs a lot over the last few weeks. Um, but I didn't see it as necessarily a, like, a markedly weaker team, just a different team for a different occasion. I mean, holding in Murray coming in at the back is something that happened, I think, for the first time against Chelsea. And people were scared before that game. Um, that was, of course, when we were in a much worse run of form anyway. Um, and they played really well and had a good partnership until Murray got injured and holding's been relatively solid since then anyway. Um, and further up the pitch, I just saw it as rotation um, and we haven't rotated as much as maybe um, Arteta would have liked or the schedules allowed us to because each game has been quite important in its own right. Um, but I didn't have much issue with the starting lineup. How about you? Did you think... When you saw it, did you think there was a kind of specific plan behind it? or I think, as you mentioned, obviously, that whatever plan in theory there was behind it probably went out the window after 90 seconds because we were 1-0 down. But 
initially it made sense um when we were chatting with Legrove a while back he sort of was defining Arteta at least in his early stages of his, his Arsenal career as this quite like fine margins type manager um and in that respect it made sense someone like an Elneny in there who isn't necessarily going to be the ball player but you know for for a certain job he'll do it and if the if you know whatever Arteta had in mind today it, it, seemingly yeah I didn't have issues off the bat it was nice to see Tierney back in he always gives a lot down the left-hand side that Cedric has been doing reasonably well, but he's not a natural left-footed player. So that was a bonus. And we saw that in the first half. There wasn't much Arsenal attacking, but the majority of it did come sort of down the left. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I mean, good. in some ways it's good to see Pepe in, but it's also like, if you don't trust the guy, like, do you really expect him to perform against the best team in the league at this moment in time? So that was a bit of a strange one in, in some senses, you know, a compound, compounded by the sort of, Emil Smith-Rowe being left out, who's performed well recently. Obviously, you know, players need rests, but I guess those were some things that stood out to me. The centre-back pairing, as you mentioned, it's probably never anyone's first choice to throw two new defenders kind of together that haven't played together in a while um, against a good team. And maybe that will draw us to the to the opening goal because my thoughts on this are kind of maybe against the grain. Obviously, you don't want to see the smallest player on the pitch scoring a header. But do you think maybe that whilst players are kind of crucified for losing defend uh, losing attackers, especially a, a short player like that. They'd be like, how do you let that happen? Do you think maybe it's only natural for a defender to not pay as much attention to an attacker that they don't perceive to be as much of an aerial threat and then it's easier to lose them in the first place? Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, I think if that's, you know, Didier Drogba in peak condition and he's losing a marker, you're thinking, well, like, what did you expect? Um, but Sterling is not someone you expect to pop up necessarily. And City played with their sort of false nine or the midfielders system, which has been very effective. And part of that is because you never really know which one of them is going to pop up in the dangerous position. Uh, on this occasion, it was Sterling holding. Yeah, like he he doesn't really go to the ball either. He just, uh, I think, waits for a solution to happen, which isn't great. Um, but the goal itself was... I guess, telegraphed in a way maybe half a minute before where I think Mares to Contini again got a cross into Sterling at the back post and he miskicked it and then um, City came back and scored their goal. Um, Arsenal didn't seem to learn from that initial attack. Um, and I think, you know, you can have issues with um, the cross, which was a very good cross coming in um, as well. Tierney, I think today looked like a guy who hasn't played really for about a month. Um, and he had some nice things going forward, but was a bit more suspect defensively than he usually is. Um, and yeah, it's just an all-round b- bad goal to concede. And I don't know if you also feel like we always concede to Man City so early and it kind of ruins our chances in so many of our games over the last like five years or so. Yeah, I uh, don't know if it's necessarily like specifically a game plan of theirs where after they've kind of gotten us so many times earlier on, they realize that we are susceptible. And now, I mean, you'd assume they want to get, you know, go for blood as as quick as possible. But as you mentioned, it seems like they're able to achieve it against Arsenal quite consistently early on in the game. And if there's one team you don't want to go one nil down to, it's the best team in the league at the moment, which is Man City. And that was kind of how the first half ended up playing out. I think we were probably a little bit shell-shocked with regards to conceding so early on. And then, it was quite a bland affair, City controlling possession, Arsenal probably trying to build momentum, but just so hamstrung by the the terrible start. Do you have much more to say about the first half? Um, not really, apart from the fact that probably our best spell in the game was maybe the 10, 
15 minutes before half time, where it looked like we had settled, City dropped off a bit. And as you said earlier, kind of the left channel is where Arsenal started to work their best opportunities in the kind of triangle of Tierney, Xhaka and Saka in particular. Looks like if Arsenal were going to get anything from the game, it would come down that route. Um, but unfortunately, yeah, it's sort of the, any momentum we built up in the first half kind of dissipated with half time a little bit. Um, and we weren't able to build. I guess we sort of had said that we didn't have too many qualms with personnel change prior to the to the game kicking off. Once we're 1-0 down and, you know, it's halftime, it's in theory a different ball game that we're going to be coming out and playing in the second half. What do you make of Arteta's reluctance to literally make changes at halftime, for instance, um, when you're seeing that potentially someone like an Elneny might not at this point be too useful? Well, not useful is maybe not the right word, but we could probably use Ceballos essentially is what I'm saying. Yeah, Yeah, Elneny is an interesting one because I don't think any Arsenal fan considers him a first choice player or a great player. Um, But he clearly has uses in games where Arsenal are going to be doing more running than playing. And this is one of those games with halftime subs. I'm, I'm never sad not to see them or usually not sad not to see them Um, because especially with a game at just one nil, I think you can legitimately go out the second half of the team you started with and said, look, it was a bad start. We go out, we show what we intended to do. Um, and maybe you wait to see that develop. I think where I do have issue with Arteta, um, and this has kind of been a weakness throughout his managerial career so far, is that the timing of substitutions, as well as the personnel that he decides to substitute, um, is a bit questionable. And for this game, it seemed quite clear that Arsenal were physically struggling uh, for a, a good 10 minutes at least before the first change occurred. Um, and so that is something which I think Arteta still needs to work on. Maybe that is just something that comes to experience um, and you get a feel for the game and so you get a feel for what it needs or what it could do of, um, less with, basically. Um, but I didn't have much issue with the halftime team staying the same. Did you? Yes and no. I think in you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and so in that sense, yes, I did because the team that came out, which was the same team in the first half, didn't you know they they got more possession, and that was that was about all we got more of in the second half. But um, so in that so sort of sort of, especially when you see Sabios coming on eventually, I believe in the eighty sixth minute for El Neni, which is just as you mentioned, timing of these substitutions doesn't really make a ton of sense, considering especially that you'd mentioned we were physically sort of struggling in the second half. It was noticeable, and even that is a bit. Not too surprising, but, you know, considering how many fresh faces were in the starting 11, it uh, didn't necessarily make that much sense that we would be so off the pace. Beyond just Elneny not necessarily being the ball player that we might want for a game like this at, at certain times in the midfield, we also don't didn't have David Luiz starting, who obviously is an outlet from the back line as far as moving the ball forward, even just bypassing the midfield sometimes. He can, like, lay on direct chances for our attacking players. So I think between Elneny and being there and Louise not being there, I really did think that it was imperative for Ceballos to get on the pitch sooner rather than later in that second half. Otherwise, as far as the action, we were, you know, I said it was a bit more possession that Arsenal were able to get. Um, Tierney kept, he kept, you know, he was, he didn't give up. He kept going down the left. He didn't have too much fruitful delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, Saka, oh, I'm getting really towards the end of the game now because there was such a dearth of chances, <laughs> had kind of like a half chance where he fell over when he was swiveling and that could have been something. Um, 
Aubameyang. Again, I just felt like back to that sort of midfield issue was such a fragmentation between the defense and, and the attack. And I think that I hope Arteta is not operating out of, out of fear when it comes to not being willing to sort of pull the trigger on these substitutions, because on the one hand, that's never a good place to make decisions out of, you know, fear. You want to be doing it because you have a plan and you just, you know, trust your gut. And then the second part of that is, does that sort of transmit to the rest of the squad? If they can tell that Arteta's either reluctant to change or not certain of what his next step is going to be. I don't know if that kind of transmits to the players on the pitch. Do you have any thoughts on the mentality of the squad at the moment? Um, I, I think your point about fear is really interesting. Uh, I hadn't considered that that's why he's not making substitutes earlier. Um, because uh, because Arteta doesn't strike me as a sort of fearful character. Um, more someone who has a real faith in what he's trying to do. Um, and so will persevere with that until like he can't really anymore. Um, which is not to excuse it either. I'm not saying that's like better or worse. Um, but I, th I think part of it is he really has a plan and he really believes in the plan. Um, and so he won't make a change to that plan unless he thinks it's really, really necessary. Um, again, the like he said, the sort of the personnel that did come on, I'm not sure had any impact really. And again, that might have just been game state and the fact that it's City and um, j j just the time they were given wasn't conducive to really making an impact. Um, but I, I like personally, I would have liked to see Martinelli. And I don't know if there's like a wider point about that. It, because he's come back from a long injury and is still young. And there are still many reasons why he might not be being used as regularly as fans we might like to see. Um, they might just be being very cautious with him. Uh, but in terms of an impact sub, he's probably Arsenal's one who you could really imagine changing the dynamic of a game. Um, and in the past has looked very good against Man City and caused them problems. Um, and Arsenal needed something else. And none of the subs that did come on were really able to offer that. I feel like the silver lining was that we didn't bring on Willian, I guess. But otherwise, um, <laughs> on City, let's, I guess, pay them a bit of attention because whether or not they kind of aesthetically played us off the park, they were very comfortable and were the better team. So what do you make of City this season? They're on course to seemingly, it's, you know, early days still relatively, but become champions. And Peppers. He's kind of done a bit of, yeah, like uh, some fluctuation in his time at City from like the best to last season was not their best to now quietly back to a really, really impressive level and on a very long unbeaten run. The game was a bit of a tepid affair, like I was mentioning in terms of the aesthetic, but how much of that comes down to the way that Pep wants his team to play? He doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily Barcelona football, but they get the results and often, yeah, you're sort of like, what is, why are City so good? Like what, what, you know, it seems quite hard to play against them, but also they aren't necessarily, yeah, playing this ticky-tacky stuff. Is that kind of the brand of, of Pep's football currently is just like efficiency? Maybe. I mean, it's, it's interesting with City because this is the longest Guardiola has been at any football club in his career. And in his two previous big managerial jobs he hasn't really had to face the idea of rebuilding a team 
Um, but this is something that he has apparently committed to do at, at City with the signing of his new contracts and everything. Um, and so I think this is very much uh, something that will define his legacy as an all-time great manager one way or another. And on the evidence of this season, I mean, you, yeah, you have to say that he's he's got the tools to do it. Um, and that they, like I said, they're kind of, they're playing without a recognisable striker. Aguero and Jesus were both on the bench today. Um, they're a very fluid team. And although they're not playing this, as you said, sort of tiki-taka style, the thing we associated with them at Barcelona in his time there, they do have just an extraordinarily high number of highly competent technical players. So even if they're not passing through you every time, they're just keeping the ball and wearing you down um, and have found apparently a newfound defensive resilience with this Stones and Diaz partnership, um, which is maybe something that even in the best Guardiola teams or at least his City teams of years gone by, they were never this defensively solid, which I didn't see coming, to be honest. Um, but there you go, it speaks to kind of good man management. He's able to get new levels out of players that we weren't expecting. Um, and I think that all of this has basically given them their aura back. When City took the lead, or even before they took the lead today, I felt like a bit scared of them. And I think that had maybe disappeared in the last year or so. But I think they have that back, given the run they've been on now. Um, how about you? Like, What do you think when you watch City play? I don't disagree with you, and which is why it's difficult. And I think that that potentially is another reason why teams have a hard time playing against City, because maybe the image of City is something that is quite different to the reality of them these days. Um, they are the best team in the country, seemingly. I don't love watching them play. Um, it's, it's a bit boring. Um, they are very exciting in the final third. But beyond that, not so much. But but I guess what I will say is that credit to Pep, and I'm not trying to do a disservice to any of the players that he has, but you know, who would have seen Gundogan having the season that he's having right now? And who's to even I'm not again, he obviously is the player that he is, but um is it Pep who brought these levels out of him? The point I'm making is like prior to this season kicking off, a few of these guys, even DS, you know, who's come in and adapted so quickly, John Stones, who's kind of got the had this second coming of John Stones and um a few other a few other of these guys who have really stepped up. Even Bernardo Silva had an off season last time around and is getting back into it. So Foden, you know, coming through. It's it's all very, very impressive. Um, and they don't have this kind of like all-star squad that the Man City of old with Yaya Torre and David Silva and you know Aguero kind of kind of did. So um it's it's impressive, but also it makes me a bit sad. I feel like has the quality of you know the Premier League gone down to the point where just because Pep is the best manager, that's why they're the team who are who are winning. Um, and yeah, I'm just like sort of fearful of this just grey wave of Man City domination <laughs> kind of over the the next few years. Um, what do you make on on I guess that point of the standard of the Premier League and how City have been able to exploit this COVID season so far to be the team on top? I think I think that's all true. Uh, like it's difficult to talk about standards in generalities falling because you know is it because the ceiling and floor are further apart or because they're closer together that we're seeing 
sort of the the weird season we're seeing where anything can happen unless you're Man City, basically. And maybe that is that that that's something that I sort of expected as well when Guardiola came in at City, um, because of how I suppose convincingly his teams had won like steamrollers of the leagues in Barcelona and Bayern Munich. Um, that the same would just eventually happen with City, and it did, and it felt like as you said, a great wave of domination would happen. And then Liverpool were sort of somehow able to keep up and surpass them last year. Um, and now we're back to uh, more normality and everyone else is sort of um, str- struggling a bit. Um, I don't know. I don't think it's kind of cut and dry that this is the dawn of a new Man City era and it's going to be, everything is going to be there for the taking. But I would say that in a season where squads are dealing with all kinds of new issues with fatigue and injuries and fixture congestion, um, it makes complete sense that Man City, who are able to have the bench that they have, who have the resources they have and have sort of like essentially two fifty million pound players for every position, more or less, um, are able to cope best with everything so far. Um, and, you know, it's to their credit that they have and they've really exploited it. They haven't just you know, ground their way to the top. They've completely blown everyone out of the water over the last couple of months. But it does make sense that City are the team to, I suppose, survive and cope and thrive the most in the COVID season, if this is hopefully the only season fully affected by the by the pandemic. Yeah, fingers crossed, flipping it back to Arsenal and a more kind of, yeah, conclusion type place to leave it. You know, we've got the link. Arteta was Pep's disciple. Is he Pep 2.0? No, he's his own man. But are you sort of confident that we are on some levels stepping towards replicating a bit of a city model? Um, or is that not even Arteta's ambition, in in your opinion? It's, it's, a, it's a tough question but because, I mean, it involves basically projection as well. Um, of, of things we don't know. In terms of City's model, um, I, I don't really think Arteta was looking to fully replicate the way City play. So on a playing style, no. And I'm okay with that because like you, I find a lot of their games just quite boring and like fair play, they're entitled to it and it's obviously very successful. Um, but as someone who doesn't support City anyway, it doesn't get my, my blood rushing. Um, but I think... What I am confident in Arteta is that he is smart and he sees the issues Arsenal have and step-by-step is fixing them. And, you know, today was a disappointing and underwhelming, um, if not entirely unexpected. But one thing that you could reasonably say is that Arsenal going 1-0 down to Man City in the first minute in previous years might have caused a total collapse. And it didn't quite hit. And I was never really worried it was going to. And I think that's a testament to the work defensively Arteta's done and in terms of personality and character and those kind of um, intangible temperament traits that the team has. I was relatively certain that we wouldn't completely implode. And just generally over the last couple of months, I think there are things in the attack that have been happening and um, also recruitment with the likes of Party and Gabriel, who are solving problems in the pitch as well as upgrading quality in key areas. That I think Arteta has overall earned enough trust, for me anyway, to sort of 
see where this takes us over another couple of transfer windows and with a bit more freedom um, to really make this team in his image. How about how do you feel? Because I I really know that that's not a universally held view at all. I think that I'm just sort of like coming, you know, still filtering, coming to terms with the result, and and um, I my positivity levels are, are rising slowly as I kind of have this this hindsight on the result and on our performance. And I think that as you mentioned, you know, going one nil down to City early on, once upon a time really would have struck fear into the hearts of a lot of Arsenal fans and people might have turned off their TV sets because they were fearing the worst. But it felt like the game was not necessarily there for our, you know, the taking, but it did feel like throughout the entire game, there was, we were only one good move away from equalizing and then only a second good move away from, you know, going ahead. So in that sense, we didn't do too badly. You know, this is, you know, we lost one nil. We never were out of the game entirely. It was just kind of the highest level performance that you need to be able to get a goal against City that was lacking. That was all that was lacking. And that's not, you know, that's never a, a, a guarantee. So in that sense, I feel like we're close, I guess is what I'm getting at. I do feel like we're not necessarily on the edge of, you know, challenging for the Premier League, but I do think that we are close in mentality and close in organization to with the right personnel and um, kind of, getting off to a good start and you know momentum I think we're in a much stronger position now than than we have been and it's weird to say that because the position in the table does not reflect that (laughs) whatsoever it's a bizarre season I don't want to make excuses but this is a bizarre season for everyone this is a bizarre year for people in general forget football so yeah I'm hopeful because the alternative is upsetting so let's (laughs) let's just be hopeful (laughs) let's back arteta um it's nice to have the kind of uh club relation obviously he was a former player um and i think that given how much time and patience we had with wenger you know i've I've got a lot more time and patience for arteta he's nowhere near raising too many questions uh, about his suitability for the job for me do you have any last points on the game on Arsenal moving forward. We've got Leicester, we've got Benfica. Um, yeah, I'll leave it with yeah. you. Do you have any final, Yanni's final word? <laughs> uh, well, just that it's, uh, you know, we are in the midst of a tough run of games and the games are coming thick and fast. Um, and this, in that tough run of games, was always the toughest game, probably. Um, and I think it will be interesting to see how the squad is rotated from here on out. Um, how Arteta prioritizes or doesn't prioritize one competition or another. Um, Because as you said, for our terrible position in the league, it's still so congested and there's still a decent number of games to go that you just never know what might happen um, if you, you know, keep your foot on the gas on both fronts. Um, But the next game is always the biggest and Benfica is a pretty huge game and how we're going to feel about the rest of the season afterwards as well. Yeah, that's going to be kind of a crossroads moment, or at the very least, if we are to lose that game, I think things are going to look very, very bleak. Um, yeah. So let's uh, keep our fingers crossed and uh, yeah, let's get behind the guys. I, I think I'm thinking positive thoughts. I'm hoping by the end of this week, things will look a little bit rosier, but I suppose as far as today's match recap, that's about all there really is to say. Cheers, Yanni, for joining me. Looking forward to doing some more Max recaps on, on Arsenal stuff, other games as well, and getting you back on to some other episodes and interviews. But 
for now. Uh, if you feel like you enjoyed listening to that, please do follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We're at United Mates FP. And then on YouTube, you can find everything under United Mates Football Podcast. Until next time, everyone, please do take care of yourselves and try to take care of each other as well. Goodbye.